Good morning, church. Oh, that's better. That's better. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, will you please open them up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26 is the passage that we're going to be reading from. Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 21 to 26 will be the section uh, we're looking at. We're going to be uh, reading that passage, that, that little section that we're going to be tackling this morning. It says this, You have heard that it was said of to, uh, to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you who, to, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gifts at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Least your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So um, we have this slide. I don't know if, how clear it is because uh, we've got these front lights are on. Um, but we have decided that this section, uh, Gary's going to go turn off the back light so you can see it clear, um, is that this little section, the remainder of ch uh, f uh, chapter 5, is we've seen that Jesus here picks out certain giants in which we are needing to overcome in order to pursue him better. So remember, the whole point of the Sermon of the Mount is Jesus trying to show us how do we follow Christ so that we might gain him more. And Christ identifies six things. And we, we're looking at the first one. We start with anger. And we're going to finish it off today. Six things that can hinder us from getting to know this Jesus better. And so the first one uh, that we're going to be looking at and tackling is anger. And so last week, we, we started speaking about anger. And we started chatting about it a little bit more, and we defined uh, and we said that anger, in and of itself, is not evil. Um, it's not a bad thing. Why uh, can we say that? Because Christ Himself got angry. We saw that God Himself gets angry. We see that in the Old Testament. We see it in the New. Uh, we we know that that is a part of the character of God. So anger in itself is not bad. It's how you use your anger that can determine whether it is good or bad. And so we spoke about the fact that there's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. Righteous anger is egoless. It's not about us. So the good type of anger is not about us getting angry, but rather it's about us getting angry for the glory of God. But unrighteous anger, which is the most common thing that takes place, um, most of the time, 99.5% of the time when we get angry, it's because it's unrighteous anger. It's because it's ego-filled type anger. It's about us. It's when uh, we start to feel threatened, ignored, rejected, criticized, snubbed, humiliated, unfairly treated. So pretty much if you've married, you've experienced all of those. And so... And there's also this element of frustration. Remember, we spoke about last week how just those getting frustrated with someone at the till because they're taking too long. They've decided to go fetch their cigarettes. And uh, they could have gone to the express till, but they didn't. And now you have to wait longer. That frustration that can take place, even in such small things like that, can be unrighteous anger. And uh, 
we, we saw that there was levels of judgment that took place. As the levels of anger grew, there were levels of judgment as well that took place there. But we don't want to focus on that. And if you haven't heard that, you can catch that sermon online. Gary can speak to you afterwards. He's our tech guy. Um, he will show you how to uh, listen to that online if you want to. But there are some steps we need to take when we realize we're getting angry, when it comes to anger. The first one is that we need to recognize or acknowledge the fact that we are getting angry, all right? Sometimes we can get angry and we don't even know that we're getting angry, right? So the first step we need to take is we need to recognize that we're getting angry. The second one is we need to acknowledge or confess that it is sinful. Because <laughs> so, when we get angry, sometimes we justify it. Man, this is, no, I am right in feeling annoyed as like I am. I have the right to be angry. And so therefore, we need to confess and acknowledge that this anger that we're feeling is not right. The third step is that we need to repent from it. Man, now we know that it's bad. We need to repent and we need to ask God to forgive us. But remember, repentance is not just a confession of our sins, but repentance is a change of action. And so if we repent in from our anger, the, the, what we need to make sure is that we change our action. I, I, I'm angry. I, I realize it's not good. So I have to do my very best in order to cool that anger down. I need to change. Yeah. And then the fourth step is that we need to forgive. We need to forgive the person in our heart who's frustrated us and annoyed us. And sometimes we need to forgive ourselves for the part that we've played in it. So those are four steps we need to do. But today we're going to look at a fifth step. And that fifth step is we need to reconcile. We need to make right with the person that we've gotten annoyed or frustrated, as far as we can. You can't do it with a taxi. You can't chase him down the road. <laughs> Come here. I want to make friends. Um, that's probably not going to work. But we need to make sure that we reconcile. Because the ultimate point of this passage of this anger section that we're looking at, the ultimate goal for Christ is not only that you will not feel angry inside, but that you would reconcile with the person in which there's been anger with. Does that make sense? And so there is this need for us to make sure that we reconcile with the person. Why? Because God wants to make sure that the thing that's making us frustrated disappears. Because it's far dif more difficult to get over our anger if that thing that keeps on making us angry is always there. And so if we can reconcile, man, it's easier for us to overcome our anger. So we need to make sure that reconciliation is the ultimate goal in order for us to achieve. And we spoke about this briefly last week, and, and there's a, we see quite clearly in this passage as well. In the section here in verse uh, 23, it says... So if you are offering your gift at the altar, there's this sense of worship that is taking place here. This guy's in the temple, and he says, if you remember then that someone has something against you, go. There's this principle here that our anger and lack of reconciliation hinders our sense of worship. It hinders our ability to be able to experience God's presence. It hinders us to be able to experience his voice and him speaking to us. It hinders us from knowing God more. Does that make sense? So there is this need for us to deal with that. And it can affect us in two ways. It can affect us in our public worship and it can affect us in our private worship. It can affect us in our private worship in, in that even your times with the Lord in prayer and in word just seem frustrating. They seem difficult and tough. 
right? Have you experienced it before? When you read God's word and there's just, it just seems, man, I've got nothing from that. That was hard to read. Your, your prayers seem like they're just bouncing off the wall ahead of you. A good, there's a good possibility that part of that is because you have unrighteous anger in your heart. I've experienced this uh, personally. I, um, I'm going to be sharing a lot of my sin with you this morning. Uh, and I've experienced this. Uh, there's times where I have to do sermon prep at home. I prefer to do it at home because there's no distractions walking in asking me to do things. Um, there's uh, no chatter around. I can just focus on, on my work and, and get it done. And I also practice. So it's very awkward walking around in a communal office or in the office you're in, practicing around out loud. You can't do it. So I prefer to work at home. And uh, there's been times when I've been working at home and listen, I have had a disagreement about something. Um, we don't have major fights, but there's some uh, argument or, or she said something that's hurt my feelings uh, or I feel a bit annoyed that she hasn't said please to tell me to go do something. And I go and I leave and I sit in my desk and I'm grumpy. I've got my grumpy pants on and uh, I'm sitting there trying to do sermon prep trying to work, trying to read the word and hear, uh, read commentaries and hear from the Lord. Here, what are you trying to say to the church? And I gain nothing. And man, this can take sometimes, this grumpy pants thing can take days. <laughs> and it's Friday and I've got nothing. I'm going, Lord, what is it? What do you need to say? And he says to me, I'm not saying anything until you go make right with Alyssa. And I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm acting grumpy so that she can realize that she's done something wrong, so that she can go, oh, I've done something wrong, and I must go to Joey, and I must say sorry. And when she does it, then we'll be fine. But she hasn't come to say sorry yet. And so, no, you need to go. So I get up, and I go ahead and say, love, I'm so sorry for being grumpy. She goes, what, you were grumpy? <laughs> I didn't even know. I'm like, oh, I have been, I'm sorry, and I go back to work. Man, it happens, then, then the Lord starts to speak. Freely, he starts to speak to us through these things. We see this in this concept in 1 Peter um, 3 verse 7. It says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. Our grumpy arguments and annoyances that we have with our spouses, just our spouses, not even others, can hinder our prayers and God hearing them. Man, that shook me when I heard that. That's why I get up and go say sorry a lot to Alyssa, and she doesn't even know it a lot of the time. I have to say sorry. Man, I shouldn't have acted like that. Because it hinders our worship. It hinders our ability to hear from the Lord. But it, it's, it's not only just a public thing. It's a, it's, I mean, a private thing. It's a public thing as well. That our disagreements with others can hinder those moments. It can hinder our ability to worship. Worship seems dry. The preacher seems boring. I know sometimes I am, but sometimes that's your fault. <laughs> And so there, there's, a, there's this need to having to deal with that. Man, I, again, I'm going to share my sin with you this morning. I, I was walking down spa once with Alyssa and I were going down spa and through in Ganubi, and I was heading, we, we were shopping, we were just doing grocery shopping. I heard someone in the aisles, a group of people speaking badly about a family member of mine. 
And so as much as I initially re restrained myself from going down and saying something, it lasted about a minute. <laughs> and then I did. And as justified as I felt, my heart was not right. I was angry and righteously. And I said things and we spoke in a way. I was pointing out this and hoping that they would repent. But they didn't. And the way I conducted myself wasn't good. Months later, I mean months later, I have, when I, when I have a weekends off, I go to other churches and just rest because it's the way what we do as pastors. Otherwise, people go, oh, Joe, do you know where this is? Do you know what that is? Do you know what's happening? We just never get a rest properly. We want to receive. And so we go to other churches, and I was at another church. And as I was standing there singing, I see these particular people in church. And the Spirit says to me, Joe, you need to make rights. And I go, no. <laughs> and so what I try to do is I try to sing louder. Because if I sing louder, I'm going to drown the voice of the Spirit out. <laughs> Lift my voice, Joseph. Focus on the words. Focus on the words because I couldn't focus. And then the Spirit's like, no, you need to go deal with this. I'm like, no, I won't. No, 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 you will. And, I, and the worship ended. And the sermon went and preached. Man, the guy's a great preacher. I, couldn't, I didn't hear a word he said. Because I felt the Spirit say, you need to go. You need to go. And it needed afterwards, I needed to go and I needed to apologize. So I grabbed this particular person and their spouse and I said, man, I just need to say I'm sorry. The way I've conducted myself is it wasn't good. I need to apologize for these things. And they went, thank you. And we, there was this forgiveness that took place there. But I want to point out something here. They did not say sorry back to me. They didn't. They didn't say, and Joe, the way we spoke and what we were doing was wrong. But my attitude and your heart in reconciliation can never be, I am going to you to say sorry so that you say sorry back to me. No, that's not right. Because if that's your case and they don't say sorry, man, you're going to be cross. You're going to get angry again. Why aren't you saying sorry? But that's not, that's not why we're doing this. We're going to reconcile because of the part that I have played and what I have done has not been right. And what we see here is we, we see this guy, this person here, man, they clearly got a relationship with the Lord, right? They're at the altar sacrificing. There's this good part that's playing. This doesn't seem to be one of the three times that you were meant to go to Jerusalem throughout the year to do your, your sacrificing or one of the annual things that was required. This seems up and above that. This person desperately just wants to be in the presence of the Lord. And, and may I say that one of our greatest weapons against anger and lack of reconciliation is your desire for more of Jesus. Because what happens is this guy is desiring God. His relationship, is, as far as he knows, is really, doing really, really well. He's there. He just wants to spend time in the presence of the Lord. He's bringing a gift up, which would have been a sacrifice of some sort or a tithe of some sort. He would have been there to sacrifice the altar. Man, this is costing him more because he just wants to be in the presence of the Lord. And yet in that moment, the Lord comes to him and says, hang on a second. I want you to notice that you've got a brother that's got something against you. He hasn't necessarily recognized it himself. Up until this point, he might not have realized that that person was hurt. But the Spirit comes along and goes, hey, here we go. Remember this. You need to go make right with that. You need to go make right with this person. And it's this strong relationship of being able to be sensitive to the Spirit that is able to show us where the sin in our life is. Otherwise, man, a lot of the time we're oblivious when we've hurt people, right? And this person seems to have a relationship with the Lord that he's gone, man, I 
hear it, I must go. There's obedience there. There's a willingness to go, okay, Lord, I will go because I want you. I want you. I want you to do that. I want you to, uh, I want you more, more of you. And so I will go and do that there. And so we, we also see here, and I, want to, and I want to point this out, this is important, is that Christ's heart behind this is seen in, that, in, in verse uh, 24. In verse 24, it says, leave your gift there and go to the altar. First be reconciled with your brother, then come and offer your gift. Man, I want you to hear Jesus' heart here. Jesus is saying, man, you've got this issue that needs to be dealt with so that you might be able to worship me better, but I want you to deal with it so that you can come back. You see that? God wants the person to come back and spend time in his presence and enjoy his riches. Enjoy the the blessing that it is to know God well and fully and unhindered by the giants in which we face. And so he's saying, go and deal, but come back. I want you to come back. He's not frustrated and annoyed and angry. Get out of my presence. I, I don't want you here. It's not one of those. Man, this is a problem. Go deal with it because you need to. Because it's hindering our relationship. But I want you to enjoy me. I want you to do that. So the heart of Christ here is, is a, a great one. It's, it's one of you go so that we might be reconciled as well. So that we might be able to enjoy each other's company better. It's really, really a great heart of God. We were talking about um, anger at our Bible study on Thursday night. And initially, some of the questions were, well, what if and what happens if this happens? And there's a number of scenarios, right? And I told them they had to wait till this week to find out because there's some practical things in which we need to talk about when it comes to reconciliation because it's important. Otherwise, we never just, we always expect the other person to do stuff. So here, uh, we're going to deal with some. So who takes the initiative to reconcile? We see from this passage is the person that's caused the hurt. The initial initiative that is needed to be taken is the person that causes the hurt. And I also want to point out here that the passage that Jesus is talking about is you that has caused the hurt. You've done the hurt. And so there's this need for us when we have caused hurt through unrighteous anger or through any other sense that we are called to be the ones to take the initiative. We are told you must go and reconcile. There's, this, there's, there's no option for us. The option is only that we go and reconcile with our brothers. We have to go and do it and do it as quickly as we possibly can. We need to go do that. The, the next thing is what happens if you were the one hurt? Who takes the responsibility? Well, there's a couple of things that we need to know. And, and first, when we are hurt, often that's where unrighteous anger is coming, right? We get frustrated and annoyed. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to make sure that though we are hurt, we need to deal with our unrighteous anger. We need to make sure that that is something that we deal with. So we need to go through our steps again. We need to recognize that we're angry because of the hurt that we're feeling. We need to confess that the anger we're feeling is not necessarily righteous anger. It's unrighteous. Three, we need to repent from it, saying, Lord, forgive me that I'm feeling this way. And two, we need to forgive them in, four, I mean, we need to forgive them in our hearts. All right. We need to forgive them and forgive the, us the, uh, the, play that we, uh, the part that we've played. We need to make sure that we are in a place of forgiveness with them. Why? Because if they come to us and want 
to reconcile with us, if we are still angry, there's a good chance it might not happen. If we are still angry and raging because of what they've done, when they come and say, sorry, but you're going to go, yeah, but you did this, this, and this. This is what you've done. This is how you hurt me. This is unfair. Get out of here. And so there's going to be no reconciliation. The chances of reconciliation is going to be down because of the anger that we've caused. Now, the anger that we have now. And so there's this need to make sure that, one, that we are at a place of forgiveness as quickly as we can. So when they reconcile, we can do that. We can be open to that. And that's the second thing. We need to be open to uh, reconciliation. So when they are there, we're ready to show them mercy. We're ready uh, not to point the finger and help them feel forgiven and accepted by us. It's challenging. What we're talking about this morning is challenging. What happens if you are needing to address a persistent issue or behavior? This becomes quite difficult. So what happens if someone, uh, if there's a persistent issue in hurt that takes place um, that happens over a large uh, amount of times that's going on um, over and over again. Um, th- this needs, this requires a lot of wisdom and tact. Um, and if you, if you are, um, if they are the one uh, that has caused the hurt, um, there is, generally speaking, what we need to do is we need to make sure that we uh, don't go to them. So if they've hurt us, in a way, generally speaking, there is a sense where we don't rush to them and go tell them what they've done. We need to deal with the forgiveness ourselves. And the reason why, let me give you an example. Mark hurts me. Mark is, Mark makes a big joke. He tears into my character. All of you laugh. You think it's funny. Um, and I'm hurt. Everyone goes away. I approach Mark afterwards. And I go, Mark, I forgive you. He looks at me and goes, what? Forgive me for What? I'm like, no, because you said that thing. No, man, I was just joking. You must, you must grow a backbone, guy. I was just being, I was being serious. And, and what happens is I start to get angry all over again because Mark hasn't realized his sin and he doesn't want to acknowledge that he's done something wrong. And so, therefore, I just get more frustrated and angry. Now I have to go through all my steps that took me a long time to get through to now suddenly get to a point of forgiveness again because I'm frustrated. But there is a place where someone is hurting you over and over and over again in which we can approach them. Now, now because they've hurt us, there is, uh, Scripture gives us quite a lot of freedom in this area in order to deal with it. We see this um, in uh, Romans 12, verse 18. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So if someone is hurting us, man, there's a large amount of scope in how we can approach it. Remember, when we've hurt people, Scripture's only option for us is to go and make reconciliation, right? But when we've been hurt, there is a lot of scope in how we approach this. But there are some things in which we need to consider and think about when doing it. Um, one, you need to make sure that you've already forgiven them, that you genuinely, genuinely want to be reconciled, that you are wanting them to uh, come and let's have this relationship well again. You want them to get that. You want them to understand that you want to forgive them in your heart so that you can get to that point. So you want to make them feel like you are for them and for this relationship. That's why you're doing this. You're not coming there angry, frustrated, ready to point fingers. 
man, you should, man, how can we do this? You must genuinely uh, want to do that. But there's, there's a thing here as well. What happens if they don't want to reconcile? Because there's a possibility that when you go to someone because you've hurt them and they don't want to reconcile, they're going, no. On God's side, you've done your bit. As long as you've tried as much as you can, you, you've done as all as possible that you can do and they still don't want to reconcile, you're going, that's fine. What you need to make sure is you just don't lock the door on your side. So if they come back to you in the future and go, let's do it, you're ready to do it. You're ready to be reconciled. But from God's side, you've been let off, uh, let off the hook, if you, you will. But there's also something I want to speak about here. If, if there's an issue with external anger, so you have an outburst, you, you are angry in front of everyone, there is this call for us to, where I think there is a call for us to publicly have an apology as well. So let me give you an example. I was sitting in a lecture in my third year. I think it was third year. Brilliant lecturer, enjoyed him a lot, have so much respect for him. And my flatmate at the time uh, walked into the lecture 15 minutes late, singing a song, and he, he walked in that side and he sat in that corner. And he walked along, strolling along, while the lecturer was teaching, all the way, sat in his desk. And by the time he got there, the lecturer had gotten across. And I, we all thought rightfully so. He rebuked him, how you've been disrespectful, why do, why do, why, and a whole bunch of things. And we all sat there going, yeah, you deserve it. There's two lessons. We had a break afterwards, and we uh, had our tea time, and we came back afterwards. And the lecturer stood up and said, before we start, I need to apologize. And he apologized to this particular friend of mine. And he said, I want to apologize. I should not have acted the way of it. And, we, and he was even going, no, sir. Doc, I deserved it. I, des- I was disrespectful. I'm sorry. But there was a such respect that took place from us hearing this man of authority going, I am sorry for the way I've acted. I feel the Spirit saying I overstepped the line in my heart here and I need to apologize. And since I was bold enough to do it publicly to shout and get cross, I need to be bold enough to apologize as well. Why? Because remember, our unrighteous anger can what? It can damage the reputation of God. So if I stand up as a person of authority and get cross out loud, shout at Mark because of what he's done, in front of you all, I need to be bold enough to be able to say sorry to Mark publicly because it needs to repair the reputation of God, not only with Mark, but all of us. And so it's, it's a hard one, particularly man, when we are in a position of authority and we get cross because now, it, now we have to lose our face, if you will. We have to humble ourselves. This is never an easy thing, but there is this need for us to do it for the sake of the reputation of God with everyone. We do it in an office with people to hear. We need to apologize with everyone to hear. It's a difficult thing. This, is, this reconciliation thing requires us to put our pride in our pocket a lot, doesn't it? Because it's our pride that gets hurt. So it needs for us to put our pride in our pocket and do it. But what we see in, in, in verse uh, 25 as well, it says this, come, uh, come to terms quickly with your accuser. In, in Jesus, in, the, in verse 4, uh, uh, verse uh, 23 um, and 24, that first section, it says, first be reconciled to your brother. And then again, come to uh, terms quickly with your accuser. There's a sense of urgency behind what we have to do. There's not this, uh, especially when we've done the hurt, we need to do it urgently. Why? Jesus points out in the last example is because 
People often don't practice forgiveness when we struggle with it. And so if people aren't practicing forgiveness to the things that we've, when we've hurt them, what happens is that unforgiveness starts to build into resentment and anger and ultimately revenge. So the quicker we are able to acknowledge and realize that I've messed up here and quickly able to go to the people and say, I am sorry, the quicker and or the less likely it's going to get a place of revenge, the more likely reconciliation can happen. Why? Because when we get angry, what happens? It stirs, doesn't it? We have those conversations in the shower, don't we? I have had, I've had plenty of arguments and I've won them all in that shower, getting angry with this and this, and it builds and builds and builds and builds. So by the time the person comes again, I am so angry. And I've, they've had fights with me, which they haven't had, but I pretended they've had those fights with me, that by the time that it stirs, I'm ready for revenge. I'm ready to go down. Let's fight. And so the quicker we can do it, the quicker we can put this thing out. So there's this sense that Jesus also points out that going to court, that going to court there also means that we want him to defend our position, Right? and we already go, fine, take me to court. I'm right in this matter. Now, while this is just an imagery that's being used here, Jesus is saying, well, ultimately, actually, you're going to lose because the person has evidence enough to be able to throw you into, into prison. He has evidence enough that's going to put you out. And so make sure you deal with it as quickly as you possibly can. And ultimately, you owe them something. You need to pay them back. You owe them something, which is most of the time is an apology, making amends for what we've done. Jesus says this, Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid your last penny. And if we decide that we are going to let this go, this isn't as bad. I refuse to do this urgently for whatever reason it might be. Jesus says you will never get out until you've paid an amends. And that often means that there are times where we refuse to have reconciliation and it's too late now. The damage is done. It's that, it's that feeling of, man, you had a really, uh, you could see that your relationship with your kids wasn't great. And what you did is you just left it and left it and left it and left it. And now there's no amends. Now you don't get to see your grandchildren because of that. Man, it's the same with your marriage. You saw your marriage was on the rocks. You left it, you left it, and left it. Now it's too late. Urgency is what we do. To quickly go to it as fast as we can. We need to make amends. And church, I, I want, we're going to come around the communion table now. Can I ask Mark and Pete if they will come up? We, I'm, we're going to do this a bit differently this morning. Is when we come around this table, what we see what shouts out and what is, screams out for all of us is that reconciliation is God's own heart, right? God has a heart for reconciliation. <laughs> Man, this is what we're remembering this morning. We're remembering that Christ came and died for us when Romans 5 calls us the enemy of God. We were the enemies of God, and yet we have sinned against him. His wrath was deserved to be poured out upon us, but God loved us so much that he would reconcile us through the death of his son. So his son would take his righteous anger in our place. And there is this strong need for us as we come and take this is to remember how we've been reconciled. And the action of that 
is that there's a need for us to make sure that we make amends. There's a need for us to get to a point of forgiveness for those that have hurt us. And so as we do this, as we, as we partake of this, there's a couple of things that I want us to do. One, just thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Just thank him that when you were at your worst, he loved you, that he would send Jesus to come and die for you. And now you can know him and know him well. But there's another thing that I want you to do. I want you to pray and ask God to reveal to you who do you need to reconcile with this morning and make right with him. Go leave here and go and do it. There's an urgency that needs to happen. If there's someone that you have hurt, you need to go and make right with him. Go and make right with her. Go and make right with that family member. Don't leave it off. And remember there's a danger here. There's a danger here, church, is that we're going to try to justify ourselves again, right? I don't want to do that because I've been right. No, 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 no. Put your pride in your pockets. Lay it down. And go and make right. Because it is a giant that is hindering you from experiencing this Jesus more. It's a massive thing. And do your part and leave the rest in God's hands. And, and pray that their hearts are ready for it. And that there can be a reconciliation. But there's also some of you who have been hurt. Some of you have been hurt by others. And man, there is unforgiveness in your heart that is boiling over. You have been hurt. You're angry. And the way you can tell is you always want to tell people your story. You know what that person did to me? Da, 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 da. That shows there's still unforgiveness there. Come, we want to pray for you. Let's deal with that. Let's, let's, let's pray for you that God will release you from that. We want you to be right with the Lord. And unforgiveness stops us from that. So we want to pray for you. We want you to, uh, if there, maybe, maybe there's even spouses here this, this morning or, or family members here that are upset with each other. We want to pray for you. Don't leave this room if there's an unforgiveness. Maybe there's someone sitting in this room. Do it. Go up to them and say sorry. So we're going to partake. I want to pray. I'll pray for the elements. But really use this time. We're wanting to spend some time with the Lord and getting things right. Let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful that it is, um, it is by the death of your son that we can even have this meeting this morning. It's by the death of your son that we can pray and come confidently to your throne knowing that we are reconciled. That while you are our God, we can also call you Father. And it is this amazing privilege that we are able to know you and know you well. So we want to thank you, Lord, for the death of your son. We are undeserved of it, but yeah, you are pouring out grace and mercy upon us. We are thankful for what you've done. But Lord, we want to, to experience all the joys that comes with knowing you. And one of the things that stops us from doing that is anger, unrighteous anger, and uh, lack of reconciliation. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to all of us just those persons that we need to go make right with. That, that you would help us to have the boldness to, to put our pride in the pocket and go say sorry, even though we, we might still feel that we're right. That, Lord, you have a heart for reconciliation. Help us to reconcile, we pray. Why? Because we want more of you. We want you, Jesus. We want you. I pray for marriages that might be struggling, that they would have good, honest conversations and reconciliation would take place. 
I pray for parents who have children that are far in distance, that, Lord, they might be able to know each other and know each other well again, that they'd be able to see their grandkids. I pray, um, Lord, for uh, all those relationships that need to be amended this morning. We pray that you get the hearts ready for those people so that they can go and make amends. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.